Greetings, Team Ajilam. Welcome back again. I don't know why I'm not saying Karibu. Anyway, whatever. Uh, welcome. <laughs> so we're now on our ninth episode of the Walking with God series. I hope you guys have been enjoying this series as much as I have teaching it and also learning from it. So God is also working on me as he's... Yeah, like I told you guys, when you teach, it's, yeah, same, same. And this is such an amazing series. Now, I hope you've been seeing yourself in these stories and understanding what it really looks like to be able to walk with God. You know what I mean? Um, and through all these different people, I hope that you're beginning to see yourself. And uh, so today, we're now on chapter five of John, which is an incredible chapter. Um, just like every other chapter. But this one, this this is probably one of um, the lessons in this chapter for me is one of probably one of my favorites in regards to kind of what really chapter five is really about. Um, and what it reveals to us is this one of the most, in my opinion, the most incredible qualities of our God. Now, in fact, I dare say that to me, it is what I consider to be God's greatest weakness, yet for us is our greatest strength. It's the thing we all need the most. And Jesus, who is God, reveals to us who he truly is at his core through this chapter. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1.25, you know, just in case you're wondering about when I say God's weakness, I mean, it says God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Right? And so meaning that the idea of weakness is never a thing for, like, think of weakness as like, you know? <laughs> it's just like, this is a thing where I just feel like, up and your, he's a softie over here, right? And I believe that this chapter shows us what I believe to be in my, in, in, in again, this is very much for me, God's most appealing quality um, for me. And so I want us to read John chapter 5, but it's a very long chapter. So I'd much rather you read it and then come, we talk about it, okay? And so I want you to be able to pause this video and go read John chapter 5. Don't, don't, don't continue until you have read John chapter 5. Sour. So go read John chapter 5 now. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, this chapter has is interesting because there's three things there's kind of like in a sense kind of like three sections to this chapter right and 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 the the, the first the first part is what i call the the, the catalyst right this story the, the story that kind of stirs things up and, and is the conversation starter for for the the rest of the chapter and so in the first part we we see a healing then because of this healing a conflict arises and that conflict then leads us to Jesus showing us what it means to live out your purpose, right? And this is what Jesus, this is what happens in this chapter, kind of in, 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 in a summary. And I want us to start by, by looking at the healing, okay? Now, there's a man who has been an invalid for 38 years, uh, as you just read. And so for 38 years, he's been in this condition. And he would sit by this pool where it is said that an angel, if you go and reread, they usually cover up the, the fourth uh, verse. But if you actually kind of expand it and go see that some manuscripts talk about the fact that there's an angel who would stir the water and the first person who would enter would get well. Okay. And so on this day, this man, 
you woke up as usual for the as he has for the last 38 plus years um it doesn't say he was 38 years old it just says that he has been invalid for 38 years right so we don't know how old this guy is um and so it says that you know he went to the well to wait for it to be stirred so that he could do what he has been hoping to do for the last 38 years which is to be to be healed now he didn't have many homies right he's not like that guy the story of the paralytic and his friends who had his friends carry him to jesus this guy was by himself right um he was on his own and hoping that one day he will be able to get into this pool and get healed right but on this day he goes to the pool and jesus sees him now if you look at a lot of the stories around healing a lot of the stories around healing is where most people come to jesus for healing but in this instance what happens is is that jesus sees him this guy wasn't this guy didn't see jesus in fact based on the way he responds to jesus he has very little understanding of who this guy is right so jesus sees him lying there and learns that this man has been in this condition a long time and so he goes to this man and asks him do you want to get well and from this man's response we can tell that this guy did not realize he was talking to god he didn't realize he was talking to jesus the guy who has been like the the, the guy who's been just healing guys you know he didn't he's just like no and he probably hadn't heard of jesus he's and, and so his response is one of despair oh i have no one to help me and he goes on to talk about oh i i'm not to help me get into the pool when it's stirred up you know i mean that this was his answer to do you want to get well which is really interesting because that's a very direct question right do you want to get well and this guy is just kind of like he doesn't answer he doesn't say yes or no he says ah but you know man me i have no one to help me i have no one to do this or whatever then it says jesus says to him get up pick up your mat and walk and it says at once the man was cured now like i said earlier why this is such a fascinating story is because in almost every one of jesus's miracles of healing number one is people who come to him like we literally just studied this last week of the father that came to jesus to ask him to come and lay his hand on his uh, on, on to lay his hand on his son it's people who are constantly coming to jesus to ask for his help right that's number one right so he usually is people coming to jesus to ask for help and in the case of the woman who um, touched jesus jesus's cloak she knew who jesus was and in faith touched his cloth to receive healing right and so she was operating out of faith to be able to be like i think we've studied this before where you know she anyway it's a, it's a whole study but she touched in faith believing that when i touch the hem of his garment i will be made whole but in this miracle what's really interesting is that everything is the other way around it's jesus who sees this guy and it's jesus who asks this guy do you want to be made well most times if you don't remember there was a time where there were blind people who came crying out to jesus blind and jesus asked them what do you want me to do for you <laughs> yet jesus didn't even assume that these guys wanted to receive their eyesight you know what i mean and it was them having to say and then he asked them do you believe that i can do this and they say yes and then he does it in this case 
it appears that there is no exchange of faith from this man for him to receive his healing. I need you to work with me on this. There's something very radically different that's happening here. That Jesus sees this guy. And not only that, this man literally does not even express any faith in Jesus to receive his healing. No one had any faith even, not even just that. Like there wasn't even like, you know, the faith, the, the paralytic and his friends where it says that he saw their faith. So meaning that Jesus saw the faith of his friends and healed this guy. So meaning this guy didn't even have someone who was believing on his behalf. Right? And so in this miracle, when, from what we observe, is that this man really, in a sense, hadn't, in the way that we've, we've seen the pattern of how Jesus has healed, that this man kind of doesn't have any faith in this thing <laughs> in his healing in fact he's just there like i've not helped me whatever so jesus sees him and then jesus tells this man get up take up your mat and walk and so this man is instantly healed because of what jesus says to him jesus heals him and so when we look at this we realize that this was a pure act of mercy from christ And the thing that I want to be able to bring out to you is that this chapter, this story, is about mercy. What's interesting is that John, knowingly or unknowingly, while describing, in fact, when you start this chapter, he describes the location of where all this is happening. And I, 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 knowingly or unknowingly, he very vividly describes to us where this was happening. The location was revealing to us. And it's so interesting that the location reveals to us Christ's intention in this story. You know that this pool is called Bethsaida. That the name Bethsaida literally means house of mercy. And so the thing that we realize from this story is that Jesus is the house of mercy. This is what I believe, and like I said earlier, to be God's greatest weakness is his mercy. If you, like that man, have no one to help you, God will. Psalm 27 and verse 10 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. My friends, God is so merciful. As one who has witnessed this most incredible mercy, for me, this has been, in my life, the most appealing thing to me about this God that I serve. He is so merciful. He is so kind. This righteous ruler of all the earth, the rule of heaven and earth, the, the judge, the, the most high God, the creator of all things. Yet his mercy is like the ocean. God's mercy is unfathomable. It is unfathomable. And Jesus Christ is literally the full and complete manifestation of God's mercy in the flesh. Greater love has no one than this, that one should lay down his life for his friends. 
that Jesus came to earth to experience our life and he shows us that as long as you're with me, I got you. I got you in every single thing. I've got you. My friend, there are so many times where I have made mistakes, where I am the one. It's not at a, at a, at a, you know, at a weapon fashion against you, you what? This is me who has willingly walked into a terrible situation and have consciously done it. And then I come and I literally in this situation would bring this mess to God and he will still help me every single time. And I mean, it's just to, to understand that level of mercy, that level of grace, that level of love. I mean, what kind of mercy is this? And you look at this story. In this story is such a, I mean, this is literally kind of like, it's like a manifestation. And it's so interesting because he had to throw this one in there because he needs you to understand that all this that is happening, him helping you understand about faith and all these things is his mercy. That at the bedrock of all this, that Jesus, even with this guy, he's like, my guy, you know, I can still heal people without their faith. You know, I can still raise people. In fact, literally, it says here that Jesus went to this guy. How many of us, how many of us is, did we come to faith because Jesus came to us? He found us in those pits, in the places that he found us. And it is because of him. It is because he found us. For me, like one of the things that I think about often is that, as part of the mercy that I experienced through God is the fact that I realize that even this faith that I have is such a privilege because I come from a lineage of faith. Like my father and my, both my parents are people of faith. Not only that, like literally my grandfather and my grandmother are people of faith. I've learned that even my great-grandfather, like I have a great-grandfather who was an evangelist. I have... Um, um, even in terms of like people who have come even so real, I realized that for me like if you come to my family right in my family is that literally I think in my family there's probably out of I think like 70% are like pastors you know what I mean and so it's absolutely it's not beyond me that I that I'm here <laughs> sitting here administering God's word to you you know what I mean this is literally I'm the, ex the manifest experience of God's mercy where there was a decision that was probably made by my great-great-grandfather to follow after God. And here I am, sitting here in front of you, administering God's word because of the mercy that he has shown to my great-grandfather that he's saying that your children and your children's children for as many generations, a thousand generations, I will be with them. I will help them. I will guide them. I will walk with them because God is merciful. And the thing that we begin to, the thing that I need you to realize is that when you begin to immerse yourself into God's mercy, you will never be the same again. You will, the, God's mercy, the reason why I say it's his weakness, but our greatest strength is because it is his mercy that changes us, that transforms us. Jesus is the house of mercy. So deep is this mercy. 
So deep is this mercy that forget about the fact that he's healed this guy without this guy participating in any way in this thing, right? Where he comes to him, he sees that he has suffered for so long and he speaks healing upon this man and he heals this guy. That not only, this is the depth of this mercy, that he is also on top of that, willing to bend the rules for it. Now, here is the second part of the story. So the Pharisees are so vexed because this healing happens on the Sabbath when no one is allowed to work. And this man, remember, Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, the part that this guy was not meant to do is pick up his mat. That's the work that these guys are pissed off about the Pharisees, right? They're like, my guy, who told you to do that? So, so the thing, first and foremost, even a small little segue, it's so interesting to me, these Pharisees, right? This guy has been sick for 38 years, and they're more concerned that he's carrying a mat in the, during the Sabbath. I mean, the, literally, when you understand when Jesus is saying that I desire mercy over sacrifice, is this is the perfect manifestation of that. Where these guys were so, they are so about the rules, the laws, that they had completely had lost complete sight of the absolute mercy of God in healing this man who has suffered for 38 years. And what they were more concerned about was, why are you carrying your mat? How many times do we behave like Pharisees? Where we fail to see the work of God in a person's life and are instead focused on the little things that the people are doing to break the law. And we forget and we literally overlook the overwhelming mercy that God is demonstrating in a person's life. That literally this person was here where they were dealing with addiction and all these things and now they have grown and have become this person. And now we're concerned that, ah, I saw that guy smoking a cigarette. So we completely overlook all the overwhelming mercy that God is demonstrating in this man's life, the transformation, the things that he's doing in this life, to focus on this one little thing. And yes, we're like, yeah, yeah, we're standing up for what is right. But yet we forget that mercy trumps the law. Come on. These guys were not in any way amazed that this guy had been an invalid for 38 years. In fact, they were upset by it. And let me tell you something. I can assure you that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, asking that man to pick up his mat and walk. He knew that it was against the law, yet he asked the man to do it. And the thing I want you to understand, because this story, this chapter, why I said earlier it's so powerful, is because this is literally Jesus. And it starts off, what I love about the location is because it literally, the location tells us what this thing is about. This thing is all about Jesus showing us that his mercy trumps everything. That he was showing us that his mercy is above the law. Why? Because mercy is greater than the law. Literally, if you think about it, the definition of mercy 
is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Meaning that the law says punish that person, but then you choose to be merciful, which is basically absolving that person of the penalty of that law. So if you think about it, it's like going before a judge. And it's just like, yeah, I admit that this is wrong. But what I'm appealing to is that you would have mercy. And if the judge has mercy, that literally, if you think about it, is greater than the law. Because mercy is not about whether you're right or wrong. Mercy is mercy. Mercy is just like, I've decided to be merciful towards you. And this is the thing that is so fascinating to me about God is that if there's one thing that you need to understand that he is the righteous judge, that he is the king, he is the holy one. But the thing about his love, when he comes to say that I send my son on a cross to die for your sins, he says no greater love has any man than for him to die for his friends. That literally, what Jesus literally is the manifestation of is God's mercy. Where he says that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Meaning that there is a law. But you know what trumps that law? Mercy. And Jesus is the house of mercy. Jesus is the house of mercy. The name of Jesus is a refuge. My goodness, you have to run to him always. Always. Because he is so merciful. Did you sin two minutes ago? Run to him. Are you struggling with something? Run to him. Do you need a decision to make? Run to him. He is the fountain of mercy. The house of mercy. The house of grace. And the thing that's so beautiful about this chapter is that Jesus ends this chapter by showing us his purpose. That he is the house of mercy. That he literally, that Moses talked about him. Literally, when you think about it, like even in terms of, this is so fascinating because when, it, when Jesus talks about Moses, Moses was the, was the law, like he came with the law. And so the thing that is so interesting about the law, even the law itself, the law itself literally has ways in which when you have done something wrong, this is how you are able to obtain mercy. Go bring a lamp, go bring a this, slaughter it, do all these things, all that stuff. And so literally, Jesus is here saying, Moses talked about me. Generations upon generations later, he, Jesus continues to show us that he really just loves us and has chosen us he has literally chosen us to experience him like no other creation in heaven or on earth. And his mercy is exactly what he's calling us to drown in. That this ocean of his mercy is called Jesus. That Jesus is the house of mercy. And so the thing is, is that we are constantly being called to every single day. To find refuge in Christ's mercy. It is boundless. It is unfathomable. It is eternal. It is eternal. 
some of you who didn't even grow up in in in, in, in like for me I, I i like i mentioned how i think of how for me it's like i think of you know the amount of many prayers that have been prayed prayed for me some of you have come to know like you're the first in your family to be a believer and you're the first who has chosen to be able to you know to know christ but it's just like the the fact that it doesn't matter how how he found you where he found you whether you came from christian background no christian background whatever that all this is his mercy and the thing that i want to tell you today that i do not care what struggles you have in your character this is the reason why even last week when i was saying when you have trust issues with god you go to him with those issues why because he is so merciful he is so good and he will help you to overcome god will help you overcome his mercy is so great and his mercy is calling out to you every single day of your life at every moment in every second in every minute his mercy cries out to you when you wake up relishing god's mercy towards you live in it swim in it you know, so, you know, for me, when I pray these days, I'm so cognizant of this, that the only standing that I have because before God, the only confidence that I have before God is because of Jesus. That there's nothing, there's nothing that I have, there's no, nothing that I can come and bring and say. Because if I come and say, Lord, you know, because I've been, you know, preaching, you, you know, help me. And, and you be like, that's cool. But if, the, if I'm going to base his blessing off of, my righteousness right then that means that i'm basing his blessing off of my works which means that i must accomplish all the works for me to be in right approval before him i can't just come and say that it's because i'm preaching am i also being loving am i also being kind am i also being you know it's like you have to tick off all the boxes you can't just tick one you tick off all the boxes so that you can come and lay claim <laughs> to the fact that I have a claim to your blessing. But the thing that I'm cognizant of now when I get into the prayer closet is that I realize that everything that I have, every standing, every confidence that I have before God is because of Jesus, the house of mercy. It's not because of anything I have done. It is because of everything that he has done. In the book of Revelations, it tells us that the lamb is still slain on the altar of heaven. Can you imagine that? That God has chosen us to love us with such a fierce love that he still captures the aroma of his mercy. Right before him is the lamp who is slain. That he remembers mercy consistently. And he even puts, like, it's like he puts a reminder <laughs> for himself to be like that I will forever be merciful to those that have put their faith in my son. This I'm sure even baffles heavenly beings where they're just like, what is this mercy? And today I want to call you to relish in God's mercy towards you. That he has allowed you to be able to understand that Jesus is the door to eternal life with him. And that you will get to experience that eternal life for the rest of your life. And this is purely because of his mercy. 
a life of progress, a life of fruitfulness forever because of his mercy. And if you're listening and you know right now, and this is a call to, to anyone who's listening, and you know that you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to the house of mercy. My friends, let me tell you, like living life surrounded and immersed in God's mercy, which to me is like the perfect expression of love. It's like no greater love has anyone than for him to give his life for his friends. What mercy is that? What mercy is that? And the thing is that the door to this mercy is Jesus Christ. Is to put your faith in him. That you may be able to live life with this mercy. Consistently, every day, transforming you, shaping you, molding you. That you can always go to him and just be like, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, I need insight on this. I need guidance on this. And he, you can, you can, you can, you know how they say, take it to the bank. Because the reason we can completely trust that God will always hear us when we call to him is because he is merciful. He is so merciful. And when we come to him, he helps us. And if you are that person, I want you to invite you into the house of mercy. Where you no longer have to be self-sufficient or try to do things with the best of your knowledge. I'm inviting you into the house of mercy where you will get into a relationship with the living God where he will help you to be better. He will literally transform your life and he will show you the way in which you ought to go. He will grow you. He will transform you. He will renew you and he will cause you to be able to experience eternal and abundant life. I want to invite you to that. And if you are that person, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead so I can live a new life with you. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. Lead me to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Woo! Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, hit us up over here in the there's a WhatsApp link down there. Hit us up on that WhatsApp link. Tell us about yourself and we're so excited to have you join in into the house of mercy. Welcome to the house of mercy. You know, there's a song that has been playing over and over for me and I'll probably put it up there. It's this song by uh, Donnie McClecking which says, Great is your mercy towards me. I pray that even as we come to the end of this message, that I want you to link as, you, as this message comes to an end. Just click on that. Or go look for that song it's called Great Is Your Mercy by Donnie McClurkin. Go look for that song and play that song and internalize that song. Another song that I really love is, um, I don't know who the person is, but it's the Jesus You Love Me. So, Jesus you love me so much, oh. No, too much, oh, too much, oh, excess love, oh. 
I want you to listen to those songs. I think I'll, I'll put both of them over there. Just go listen to those songs as soon as you finish this message because I want you to just remind yourself and to immerse yourself into God's mercy. And it is so deep. It is so wide. It is so unfathomable that this love that he has towards you is expressed in its highest form by the mercy that he continually shows to you and by the mercy that is continuously available to you every single day, every single minute, every single second of your life. So relish in God's mercy that has been so freely and overwhelmingly given to you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe. Subscribe. God bless you guys.